My name is Pete McCall. Welcome to episode 110 of All About Fitness. Now, before I get into the introduction for this episode's guest, if you're enjoying All About Fitness, if you could do us a favor and just take a brief moment to reach down however you listen to All About Fitness and give us a like, that's it. Just reach down, like us. You know how it works, folks. The more likes you have, the higher up you rank in the search engines. And right now, that's all I'm asking uh, as you listen to All About Fitness. As we get into today's guest, I explained in the beginning of episode 109, what I try to do sometimes is I try to have the same genre, the same theme for a few episodes. And I originally started with Tammy Lee Webb, who's one of the first video stars in fitness. Then I took a little uh, deviation into Mother's Day with episodes 107 and 108. And in episode 109, I got back on track going through different, how fitness has evolved, how video fitness is what I want to say, how video fitness has evolved in the past number of years. So episode 109 was with Greg Cook. Greg does a lot of streaming workouts on Daily Burn. And episode 110 is with a Instagram fitness star, someone who I, I knew, not knew, but was introduced to a few years ago when I worked with uh, Reebok. Uh, Reebok was putting together kind of a face of Reebok campaign. I was doing a little consulting with them. And since then, I've seen her and followed her, and she's a very... Uh, she's a very striking young woman. She's extremely athletic. She has a very unique look. And, of course, I'm talking about Hannah Eden. Hannah, Hannah has really come on strong, and she really has a very strong Instagram following. I wanted to connect with her to find out a little bit more about her, how she got her start in fitness, what kind of motivated her to, to get on social media in the first place. But our conversation took a very interesting turn. It was a very unexpected turn. And Hannah has gone through something in the past um, number of months that really was, number one, is very touching to me to be able to have that conversation with her, have the conversation with her. Um, but number two, it shows that sometimes the unexpected twist that life takes. And you're going to see that we take a different little emotional, we kind of do a little emotional, I don't want to say sidetrack, but we cover some very, some very important topics in the conversation today. One thing to note is we're recording this via Skype. We did have a couple of little glitches along the way. I don't know if it was atmospheric interference, the aliens beaming down, or anything like that. Uh, but we did have uh, we did lose a connection at one point. We had to restart the interview. But don't worry, we get some great. Uh, you really get to understand a little bit about what makes Hannah tick. After a brief word from the sponsor of All About Fitness, it really was a lot of fun to sit down with Hannah Eden, founder of the Pump Fit Club and social media influencer. What is part bench, part balance trainer, part stability ball, part jump box, and all results? The TerraCore by Vicor Fitness. Specially designed to help enhance balance, strength, agility, and metabolic conditioning, the TerraCore is quickly becoming the go-to piece of workout equipment used by fitness professionals around the world. Whether you're training to earn that eight-figure contract or just trying to get in better shape, the TerraCore will help you achieve results you never thought possible. TerraCore by Vicor Fitness, the shape of things to come. Go to www.vicorefitness.com and use code AAF, that's all about fitness, AAF, to save 20% on the purchase of a TerraCore. I'm Pete McCall with All About Fitness. I'm talking today with Hannah Eden. Hannah, can you give us a little bit of the background about what you do and, and kind of what you're known for in the fitness business? I say I am an athlete at heart, but 
my athletic career didn't continue, so I decided to switch that discipline and time that I put into that. As you can hear, we did have a few issues with sound via the connection and via the microphone, but we get it sorted out, and you'll be able to hear the rest of the interview. Some really cool brands. I'm able to uh, contribute some content to try and spread positivity, light into the world. And I try and do that. I would say that the driving force behind all of my businesses, I guess, and my personal brand would be Instagram. It, okay. Pushed now, a lot of... Yeah, I want to come back and ask you about that. But, but for a second, what, what type of athlete were you? What sports did you play growing up? So growing up, I was more track and field. Uh, I was on the ski team. I liked that in high intensity, adrenaline kind of rush. And then I fell into CrossFit by accident and trained pretty hard. I went zero to 100. That was my first experience with fitness. Um, and I dived, dove into the deep end and, and made it to kind of an elite level. was training a lot as a paid athlete, sponsored athlete, and then suffered a back injury. Um, so I decided to throw the towel in and take my passion and drive elsewhere without the pain. Well, it's, uh, yeah, avoiding pain is always a good thing. Let me ask you, you're from the UK. You skiing, cross-country skiing or downhill skiing? Uh, downhill skiing, but that was in Massachusetts when I was wrapping up high school. Ah, uh, okay. All right, because I was like, wait a minute. I, I've lived in the UK a little bit, and I don't remember there being a huge ski scene, and that might have, might, might have changed over the years. But how would you get into skiing if uh, that wasn't something you grew up doing? That was a high school thing, and I think it was because it was so extreme. I mean, like you said, it never snows in England. And the fact that the high school that I went to offered it as a, as a curriculum sport blew my mind. So I kind of just jumped onto that and tried it out. I skied a little bit growing up in France, but it was definitely not good. But I liked the adrenaline rush, and I joined in junior year, and I did that junior and senior year, and we did giant slalom and, and slalom. Oh, wow. Where did you, you go to high school in uh, Mass? That was Longmeadow, Massachusetts, a tiny little town, and that was a big culture shock for me, going from a big, bigger city town to this tiny town that's maybe 11-mile radius. It's a small place, but well, beautiful. What initially brought you to the States? So I was dragged here, kicking and screaming by my, my parents. So my dad got a job transfer, and um, they offered my whole family a green card, and obviously I was 16 at the time, although I thought I was – the most mature 16-year-old there was. My parents, would, for some reason, just wouldn't let me stay in England alone. So they dragged, I came over here. I was a little brat. Turned a very sour situation into the best thing that ever happened to me. So, well, that's, yeah. that's, that's There's always a silver lining. And now do you get back to the UK much? I used to. I used to go back a lot. But it's been so long now that my life is here. You know, we go back for weddings and funerals and babies now, unfortunately. But... I'll always consider England home, but it would be really hard for me to live a life there. Well, and I had to tell you, I sent in, in our initial e- email exchange briefly, uh, Hannah, I went, I did my semester abroad at the London School of Economics back in the early 90s. And, you know, I was a, a big meathead. You know, I'm, I'm a recovering meathead in terms of, like all bench press and everything. <laughs> but in, 19, in 1993, it was, it was the spring semester 1993 when I was living in W2, not in Hillgate. There were absolutely uh-huh. zero fitness centers. There are like no commercial gyms in downtown London because I was looking for a place where I can get a membership to work out in. And the student union wasn't that good. I was at the, like doing a thing through King's College and, and the School of Economics. Like I had access to the, the stuff at King's, at King's College that's where my internship was. But there was absolutely zero fitness there. And now it looks like you know, fitness is huge in the U.K., so were you in the fitness scene at all in the UK or was that something you got into once you got into the States? Uh, that was just when I got into the States, not at all in England. Um, but I have been back recently and since I am so immersed into this world now, and I always love to explore, right, to try other people's 
stuff. And I always look, find myself finding it really hard to find like decent um, gyms in England. And maybe that's a stereotype. I just haven't found the right spot. But it does seem as though the fitness industry is still not quite as hyped up as it is here uh, over in the UK. So how long have you been down in the Fort Lauderdale area? Fort Lauderdale, I've been here since 2009. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. And then I, was that, when did you graduate high school? I thought you just graduated high school not that long ago. <laughs> Feels like that. So I graduated high school in 2009. Uh, as soon as I graduated, I came down here and went to college at the Art Institute of Fort Lauderdale. Okay. And you said you're a photographer. So can I ask you a question? Because looking at your website, I love, I love, you know, design is something I've been learning how to appreciate uh, lately, Hannah. And I don't know who did the design of your logo, but I absolutely love it. Was that something you did or did you have, did you work with a designer on that? I actually outsource and I hope that someone that's listening to this takes, takes me up on this, but I also hope that all the graphic designers in the world don't kill me and come <laughs> and find me. Um, it's it, obviously to find a logo and, and branding is something that is a huge passion of mine as well, which is cool that I've been able to align all these things that I feel passionate about into one common ground. But, um, Branding, there's so much to it, and there's so much to, towards building a personal brand or just a brand towards anything. And your logo is so powerful. And I know that it costs a lot to work one-on-one with a graphic designer. And I actually outsourced or outsourced to something called 99designs. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. And they created my logo for the gym um, here at Pumpford Club, and they also created my logo uh, for Hannah Eaton Fitness Online. And what it is is you pay like a flat fee, and you, you obviously have to pay – pay attention to it and, and dedicate some free time. Um, but I think it is about a week long that it takes and you create um, a project. So you explain how you would like your logo to appear, maybe some of the adjectives that would be appropriate for your brand, maybe some color themes some some pull sheets or some uh, tear sheets uh, of ideas or shapes that you like. And I kind of explained in a bunch of verbal vomit exactly kind of how I wanted the brand to be or ha- the feeling that I wanted people to have. And what it does is it opens up a bidding contest to graphic designers around the world. Like there's people from Indonesia, India, you name it. And they all see the project. And what they do is they bid on it and they try and create what you've described. And you can see a plethora of different designers trying to to fulfill your needs. And there's always someone that sticks out a little bit more than someone else. And you choose them and you give them feedback and you say, all right, I love this. Maybe we can get a little bit sharper here or we change the color theme to this or can we disconnect the E from the F here? They work with you and they continuously open up that that um, door of communication so you can go back and forth, back and forth. And I think you have like three days to finalize. Once the, the project and the, the bid comes to an end, you choose the perfect logo. And then whatever they've done, they've done and they send you all the files. So I would highly, highly, highly recommend that to anyone. But it's not something that you can do once. You've got to communicate and it's got on a time frame so you have to be pay attention to it but it's a fantastic way to kind of really really get exactly what you want well kudos because i realize like i mean for people that i'm gonna have your a link to your page below but you know just looking at it, the way you can see the h the e and the and the f integrated into the design i think is just it's, it's simple it's clean but it's brilliant i mean i just want to give you a big shout out for that thank you i appreciate that a lot and then how'd you get started? So to get back into fitness, how'd you get started in CrossFit? What was your original motivation? I mean, you were a skier and what'd you do in track? I'm looking at you, I'm just seeing your physique. I'm going to guess you're maybe 100, 200 or maybe a hurdler. Yeah, you got it. I was 200 hurdler and I also did long jump and shot put. Okay. <laughs> Wild, but it was cool. Good time. Um, fitness, honestly, this was a huge mistake. It was like a, it just happened. And then I 
dove dive headfirst into it and relit that fire. So when I was growing up and I was this pure little child, I had a great athletic ability and I was really good. And I may not have been the best when it came to curriculum and, you know, sitting down and getting my, my, my paper on the paper, my pen on the paper, sorry, <laughs> but I was always good at showing up to PE. And my teachers always told me you have so much potential, you know, and then I hit this like weird spot where I became a rebellious teenager and didn't really want to be the best student, didn't really want to put too much effort in at school, but I would always thrive in sports. Moved to the US, uh, finished up high school, kind of made my grades a little better. better. And then when I came to Florida, I dove into this Florida scene of, you know, that nightlife, you're young, I just wanted to go wild. And I did, I had a great time. Um, and along the way, it was kind of an unhealthy lifestyle, I was extremely underweight. I was going out a lot, working a lot, kind of burning the candle at both ends. And then someone, uh, a best friend of mine that's still a best friend of mine to today, introduced me to CrossFit. And I had no idea what it was. And I was like, CrossFit? Okay, I'll try it out. Dove in and it was one of those things. I, I got really good at it. And because I got really good at it, it felt great. And I got a little greedy and I dove in so deep that I would train as like a professional athlete for hours a day. Um you know, for a couple of years. And I think from going zero to a hundred, I just went too hard and caused a, a few injuries that my body wasn't ready to, it hadn't adapted to what it needed. Uh, well, let me ask you this. Cause I've had this, you know, it's, it's interesting, honey. And this isn't, you know, where I originally thought we were going to go in the conversation, but I've spoken with a number of, you know, female fitness influencers who've kind of experienced the same thing of going all out. Do you feel that there's a certain pressure for young women like yourself to, if you're in fitness, do you feel there's a certain pressure there in terms of how you're supposed to look or be or, or act in terms of your fitness level? You know, I think it's state of mind. So whenever I had that athlete mentality, I was more of, I don't really give a shit about what I look like, but I really want to see what I can do. And it was almost like an ego thing, right? And I think it was because I got good so so quickly that I held on to that and I got greedy with myself. And you look around in, on social media and you see, you know, these people that at that point I would admire these CrossFit athletes of these females that were just so strong and they were able to do these crazy things that that's what I was, that was what, what I was working towards. But what I didn't see was all of the maintenance and the recovery and, and the diet and, you know, the accessory work that they did behind the scenes, all they posted were their PRs of the, these huge numbers that I actually missed all of that stuff. And that may be where the pressure was, but I felt that on myself. And then, you know, I didn't care if I had grown a lot of muscle. I didn't care about what my body looked like. It was just about performance. And then when I decided, you know, I thought that that's what defined me. I'd worked so hard to get to a certain point that any day off was going to, you know, make my athletic ability crumble and mm. fail, which was not the case. Uh, so I put the pressure on myself. And then at some point when I realized, I think I went to a doctor's appointment and, and one of the doctors told me, you know, you have the spinal disease of a 70 year old woman. And you're, if you continue to just lift these weights and, and just put that pressure and that impact on your spine, that is not healthy, then who knows if your body could handle having children or, you know, you'll be painful. You could have an extremely painful pregnancy the whole way through. And that kind of like scared me and I switched my mentality. And that's why I was like, you know what? I give everything I have to be an athlete, you know, and if I can put this much effort into my future, which would be my businesses and my real passion, which is to try and help people around the world, um, that, you know, I have to succeed in some way. And if I don't win, at least I'm moving in, in the right direction. So that's when my head st uh, state of mind kind of switched and I tried to build my social media to reach people. And then I think the pressure there um, at the beginning, I felt like that I had to look a certain way or the kind of content that I was pushing had to be a certain thing, such as 
I remember being like, man, I know I'm not a lingerie model, but all these fitness models, they keep posting pictures of them like wearing small bikinis or they're in lingerie and they're on the floor. And I did. I fell into that and was like, okay, I'm going to book myself a a sexy photo shoot. It's going to be fitness, but in underwear. And I did it. And then I really quickly realized that I was so worried about, oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Loud car that drove by. But I was so consumed with what I was supposed to be or who I was supposed to look like that it ate me alive. And I did, I started to develop like complexes that didn't exist. If people would comment things, I would read and let that comment get to me. And then fuck, I wouldn't sleep that night. And, you know, I just kept going until I got to a certain point where I stopped. And I think maybe I made one post one day that someone had said something about crotch sweat. Mm. (laughs) So irrelevant. This was a turning point for me. And I thought, you know, every single female in the world, if they work out, they have crotch sweat. So I'm just going to go ahead and call it out and make the obvious. And from that one point, I realized the rawness and the real authentic truth and the the fact that I really don't care what people think is actually helping my brand because it's real, it's relatable, and people can smell through bullshit from a mile away. So everyone else is kind of trying to be this certain way. Everyone else is doing these things. Like, I want to be the total opposite. I was always trying to fit in when I was younger, you know, always trying to make the right decisions and then dyed my hair red. I said, I am different. I'm going to accept that I am extremely strange and unique and different. And rather than being ashamed of it, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to embrace the body I'm in, the way that my body is going to develop when I work out. I'm going to embrace that. You know, I say ridiculous things. I'm not going to hold back and I'm going to be raw, real and truthful. And I think that was a turning point for me. And that's kind of only helped in my favor and, and, and it's been a great place. So I, I made sure that I stayed away from that pressure and what society and the adversity and what we're supposed to be like or how we're supposed to look. Well, and, and from that standpoint, how, how freeing is that, Hannah, in terms of, because I just, you know, that belies a certain maturity. I was speaking about this with somebody the other day who's been in, been in the fitness industry for years. I don't, I don't know if you know the name Tammy Lee Webb. Are you familiar with that name? I do not. Okay, it's okay because she is. She was the original Buns of Steel. I mean, she had the video series uh-huh. back uh, back when uh, you. I mean, I was I was still in uh, junior high school, and and oh, I don't even know if you're uh, if you're crawling around yet. But she had the original Buns <laughs> of Steel. So what I'm gonna be doing with this with this conversation is kind of I'm gonna be putting her first because in all honesty, like what you're doing now in terms of what you're you know comes of how you're promoting yourself, she was one of the groundbreakers of that. But one of the things we talked about was getting comfortable in your own skin of where you can start really delivering the message where it becomes less about appearance and more about the message. How freeing has this kind of like this transformation been now that you're kind of really trying to put kind of real content out there? How does that feel just from a mental standpoint and your overall approach towards fitness? Man, it feel, it feels fantastic, you know, and I think that whenever you're able to let go of that, and like you said, like I'm creating a, a, an ebook right now that's called Embrace. It's about embracing the journey. You're, you know, it's not going to happen immediately. Embracing the transformation that goes physically with aesthetics and mentally, you know, like it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be quick, quick. But if you would just embrace the journey, then everything will be all right. Um, uh, as soon as you let go of these restrictions or these the pressure that you put on yourself, everything just feels better. The way that I eat, I don't feel like I have this like big burden over my, over my head because I have to eat a certain way and I have to, you know, make sure that I stick to my macros and just letting yourself go a little bit and, you know, facing your mess ups and, and, and admitting that you mess up and you're a human is cool. And, you know, I I try and push that because I'm no different than anyone else. I'm just crazy enough to not quit. You know, I don't have the 
the best business degree. I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have anything more than anyone else. I just had a drive, had a passion, and I continued with that. And that's something that I'm still trying to do, which is freeing for me because it still motivates me. But I know that it's inspiring other people too, which is I'm a regular human that I really don't know what I'm doing. And I didn't at the beginning, but I refuse to quit and I always figure it out. You know, if I don't know how to do something, I'll look it up until I figure that out. So if I feel like, oh man, I just learned from an experience that someone else could learn from, I make sure that I push that out to the world, which is truth. And then my failures, I hope that someone can learn from my failures and have favorite failures that I've learned from. And I have failures that have taught me so much, but just letting go and, and taking that pressure off yourself is huge. But one thing that I did do, and I think really helped me do this, which is a pro and a con is, although I you know, like I said, the driving force is Instagram. And although uh, I guess you could consider myself as an influ influencer on Instagram is that I don't look, um, and I try and stay away from, uh, comments and, and, uh, sorry, uh, followers and likes and views, because the second that you start posting on social media, and worrying about all of that stuff, you're posting for the wrong reasons. You're posting for vanity. And that's something that I'm so terrified of doing is that if I become comfortable or uh, uh, contempt with where I'm at, then A, I either will stop trying so hard or B, I will, the content will get contaminated with the wrong mindset. Like this isn't for me to try and feel good about myself. This is actually selfless, showing myself struggle, showing myself at my worst times to try and help people get inspired and do something great. Does that make sense? That, that makes so I, sense. I, I post a lot, but I don't look. I don't look at what other people are doing. I have no idea. I try and stay out of social media because I think the more I look into it, the more I start to question certain things I'm doing and the more I put pressure on myself to, to keep up or to look a certain way or do certain things. I think that's a very, a very healthy approach to it because I think there's a lot of, you know, we're still, social media is still new that we're still kind of studying it and understanding how it's really affecting us from the inside out because it can change like dopamine and serotonin levels and you know, change your anxiety and, and all this. And I think mm -hmm. from, from certain standpoints of social media or you know, certain standpoints of fitness, I think social media is good because, you know, I might see a friend do a workout and I'm like, oh man, you know, she did that today or he did that today. I really, I can't slack off or, you know, or, you know, what I love now is I, I love that people are sharing more about the recovery and more about, you know, kind of how they're using that. So I want to tap into something here, Hannah. You said you've, you've had some failures and we all have, you know, we could all go through a list and I think we learn the most from our failure. Is there one kind of, I don't want to bring back a negative memory, but is there one that you really just taught you a great lesson that you'd like to share with somebody with others? Yeah. I mean, I don't think I have one particular favorite failure because I think that I've learned from every single one and all of them have been the best mistakes that I've made because I will never make those again. <laughs> um, there were certain things that, I mean, when it comes to business, I've definitely have had failures where, we were not prepared for something uh, financially, which is a huge question that I think every business needs to have set aside. Uh, with Mother Nature, whenever we got hit with the um, hurricane, we were put out for a while. So having that backup plan is huge, whether it's finances or it's just a plan. That's great. For example, our gym um, got hit pretty hard, so we had to close the gym. But, you know, we still have members that need this gym multiple times a day. So we thought on our feet, we failed for the first time, but the second time we got hit with the hurricane, we had a uh, another location to hold our classes at. So that would be a backup plan. So every business needs a backup plan, no matter what. That's a big mistake that I made. Um, a second one, which was probably the biggest thing that still drives me forward, which was probably um, allowing myself to not speak up 
So before I opened up my gym here, I used to run this gym, this Pump Fit, right? I, I legally trademarked Pump Fit a few years prior to opening up our gym. But I did it and I used to operate the business outside of someone else's gym. And I never spoke up because the guys that I worked with, they were all males. And maybe this is more of a female thing. And every time I thought something in my mind, I was always there because I thought that it was a stupid idea. Or... Uh, you're, I'm breaking you. I'm losing you just a touch here. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, uh, still losing you just a touch. Hello, hello. Yeah, yeah, now I got you. Awesome. So one of the biggest mistakes was not speaking up. Um, as a female that was surrounded by males, I guess, I was intimidated by that and felt like that my idea would be stupid or they would shoot me down. And I refused to, to speak up if I was upset about something, which is my point, which is I have a very open book policy when it comes to business because I've learned the hard way, which is bottling up your emotions and not saying how you feel. And it's a very, very important thing to separate like your social and business. In social, maybe you bite your tongue because you're afraid of people's feelings, but there can't be feelings in business. Otherwise, someone's going to get burnt and burnt really bad. So whenever I built the business in the gym, it was generating a decent amount of money, but I wasn't making any. And I felt very underappreciated. And I let that boil up to a certain point, And then it was a blowout. And it ended in bad terms, which is not ideal either in business. Um, and I ended up moving on. But what I, I learned from that experience is there is no gray in business. It needs to be black and white and there needs to be like no vague area. Otherwise someone it's going to end bad, whether it happens in a month, a week or a year, there has to be full transparency in every business relationship. Um, and I used that as motivation, which was the worst thing at the beginning because it was angry motivation that somewhat somewhere along the way will die out and to dig a le little deeper and to find something that is um, for you rather than to prove someone wrong or to do something in spite of someone else is, is my, my biggest take back. So don't fail out of anger ever because it burns out. Well, I just, you know, in, in my, in my athletic career, I was a rugby player. I actually played front row and you being from the, from England, you, awesome. you can understand that. But one of my favorite coaches, I'd appreciate that. yeah. One of my favorite coaches would always say, he's like, you know, mistakes are okay. Just don't make the same ones twice. And that's been a, a mm -hmm. driving force in my life is, is you know, we're going to all make mistakes and just take a step back, look at it, and say, all right, what, what can I learn from? Pick yourself up and, and go on and move forward. So in fitness, what, who's, who have been your big motivators? Like who have you enjoyed learning from and, and who has kind of helped guide your, is there anyone that you would credit with guiding your career? Because you sound very driven. Sounds like you got your you know, great head on your shoulders and you really have some ideas about what you're trying to do. I'm just wondering, you know, kind of where did you get your motivation and to be so fired up? I think um, the opportunity with Reebok One highlighted a lot to me. And I think we all, whenever we're not somebody or if we have never met someone or if we've never had that break, we're all the same, you know, until you get that one break. And then for some reason, we allow our minds to tell us that that person that is on a pedestal is different than us or they're so far unattainable. That's bullshit, man. Like everyone that's up there and everyone that I meet that I'm able to work with on a daily basis now, they're just regular humans that don't quit and don't stop trying. And, and, you know, so if there's one person in particular that kind of showed that to me was BJ Godot. BJ Godot was present at the Reebok One finals and he met me there and I guess I made a lasting impression on him that he uh, chose me to be the background talent of one of his DVDs, which was Men's Health uh, Medishred Extreme. And that was my breaking point. And from that point forward, I was able to hang out and socialize with these people that I looked at like 
gods and goddesses and realize that they're all authentic, genuine human beings that act themselves and they're good at what they do. And not to be afraid of being a nerd, not to be afraid of, you know, trying to go that little extra step and trying a little bit harder every time. And that, you know, all these people show this to me, which would be BJ Godot, um, you know, um, David Jack. He is a huge, he was a first mental health influencer. Um, I've been around some really cool people. One of the coolest people that I admire, not necessarily when it comes to fitness, but when you can stay true to yourself and who you are as a human being is Jen Wiederstrom. She is one of the most purest human beings I've ever met that genuinely has a heart of gold that she's followed that and it's only helped to succeed. So there's a lot of role, role models for me, but BJ Godore and Jen Wiedersham would be two huge people that inspire me on an educational level, but also on a, when it comes to humanity and being a human that gives a shit. You know, she genuinely does care and I've tried to pick that up and make sure that people realize that I do care about you and my biggest fear is being a sellout and that's not what I want. Well, it's, it's interesting you say that and I mentioned before we hit record, I did a little bit of consulting work at, you know, I, I wasn't at the Reebok one, uh, ambassador summit in 2016 when, yeah, I remember that video. Um, what'd you get? You guys did some video to uh, Justin Timberlake song. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> no, I just awesome. remember that, you know, and, and I've had David Jack on, I've had, uh, Artemis and, and, uh, Kira wasn't there, but PJ Stahl, you know, these are all, yep. these are all great people and they they're people doing great things. And it was funny cause I met, you know, to come to Jen Wiederstrom, you know, I met her in 2015 and to be honest, I don't follow, I haven't followed Biggest Loser. I didn't really know who she was. We were having a conversation in the lobby of the hotel. And then it was later that I realized that, you know, she'd been on TV for a while in, in a couple of different roles. But you're right. She's just one of the, the, the you know, just downright nicest people I've met yeah. um, in the business. And I haven't met BJ yet, but, um, you know, I've had David on as a guest, David Jack, and, and talked to him a few times. And, you know, I've had some fabulous conversations with him. So good. You're, I mean... You're running with a with an awesome crowd. I mean, Reebok put together a great team, um, and and you know if you're if you're working with that crowd, you're doing some awesome stuff. And it's interesting, you know, to hear you talk about that, Hannah, because it sounds like you have that mentality of not being afraid to fail. Would you Would you agree with that? Absolutely, because what's on the other side of failure is is, is great. You know, um, don't let and that's what something that is huge for me is. Maybe because I wasn't, and I always try and think about what's happened in my life to help me get here. And I think that I had a very supportive family that always pushed me to follow my dreams and show me that anything's kind of possible if I work out at it. But I also think the fact that I was kind of forced to leave my home, you know, at 16 years old, that was one of the hardest things for me. And that could have gone two ways. You know, when I came here, I wanted to be a brat. I didn't want to talk to my parents and I wanted to be like this rebellious child that hated the world. And then something clicked along the way. It was like, no, Hannah, this isn't a failure. This isn't a negative thing. This is an opportunity. This is an opportunity to start again and to put your head down and really think about how you envision your future. And now the only one that's going to determine that is you. Like my parents gave me an incredible childhood and then I came here and this was an opportunity that some people could have looked at it like a, like a failure, right? Like, oh my gosh, my friends, my, everything, my normalcy is gone. I'd, and, and it could have been a really bad situation, but I didn't. I buckled down in school. I, I made sure I got my GPA up, GPA up. I was a really bad student before. And I, I tried to have a state of mind um, switch because I think everything is to do with state of mind. And who knows? You can't let fear hold you back because that is the lamest excuse because you don't even know if you're going to fail. And I think that's something that, you know, it's so obvious, but not quite so obvious. It's like, we're not scared of heights. We're just afraid of falling and we're not scared of <laughs> swimming. You know, we're not scared of the ocean. We're just scared of drowning. And, you know, so 
is swimming itself or anything that's scary. It's not the actual act of it. It's what could happen. How can we live like that? You know, I just had a friend that died. That sounds horrible, but I'm sure, and she is a perfect example of you can't live with a what if, like live life to the fullest. If you fail, then shit, own that failure, get up and walk and walk forward and let that allow you to grow. And I always just want to push the envelope. And I think once you've passed that first hump and you show yourself that you're able to do something, that is the biggest morale and biggest confidence booster that will, for me, I just keep setting the bar higher. And like, it's a competition with myself now, like shit, I had no idea I could own a business. I was like a mess, you know, and now I'm here or wow, I had no idea that I could do this successfully. Oh, well, now I'm here. And when you prove yourself wrong time after time after again, you re- soon realize that everyone can do it. The only person that's holding yourself back is you. And I don't want to go out that way. Well, that's a, that's a strong message because I do think that a lot of people fear that what if. You know, I've always, you know, my mindset has always been, well, I'd rather, I'd rather fail, you know, I'd rather try and fail than sit around wondering what if. You know, exactly. And, and, and I don't know if I got that from sport because, you know, we had a saying for a while, one rugby club I played with where, you know, we'd rather play a better team and lose by five than play a worse team and, and win by 50, you know, because you go. you're going to learn, you're going to learn more in a tight game that may not go your way than you are in a game when you're playing an opponent and it's not even really, you know, worth showing up on the pitch for. And I think right. that, that mentality, you, you can't instill that mentality. That kind of has to be self-driven. Now, if you don't mind my asking, I saw on the website that, you, you know, to, to talk about your friend that you lost for a second, how, you know, if you don't mind going into detail about that, what exactly happened and how did that impact you? Yeah, uh, this last month has actually been the most challenging um, month, I think, probably of my life. It's been pretty wild. And not month, I mean, uh, my friend Jessica Boswell uh, was diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer while being six months pregnant. And I think that that statement alone shocked the shit out of me. And I think that we all think that we're invincible and then it will never happen to you, you know? And this situation has been so close to me that it, I, and maybe I am still in an emotional state of mind since it's only been a couple of weeks, but you know, you're not invincible and, uh, it could happen to you no matter how healthy you are or how young you are. Youth is not always on your side. And if cancer's coming for you, it's going to come for you no matter, who, no matter what. So Jessica was diagnosed, um, like I said, while being six months pregnant and they did not want to remove the baby because uh, the chances of the child surviving were very, very low at that point since he was so premature. Um, But the body is an incredible thing. And whenever Jessica was being prepared to go into her first round of chemo, her body naturally went into labor and Mm -hmm. she gave birth to her child, which is Brayden Boswell, who is um, alive and extremely healthy right now and kicking and getting stronger day by day. Um, but it was terrifying. Uh, whenever Braden came out, it was an opportunity for them to investigate the cancer a little bit further and, and do some surgery to see kind of where the cancer had started and, and kind of how extreme it was since they knew from the test that it was a stage four. And unfortunately, whenever they went inside, they discovered that it metastasized, mm. which it spread to multiple of her major organs and it was too far gone. Um, to kind of try and eliminate. So the four months and seven days from the date of diagnosis to uh, Jessica's passing was an, an, a non-stop downhill battle um, that she refused to quit. And uh, I remember the day that they got diagnosed. I mean, what do you say? You know, it's a very, uh, there's no, and I'm learning also, but as much as people's words are, are delivered with intentions of being helpful or healing, there's nothing that any words can do to make the situation better. I mean, 
they have a two-year-old son and she's six months pregnant and everything was rainbows and unicorns and their life had been planned out perfectly and they'd been together for 10 years. It's like a picture. It's like a movie, like a picture-perfect life. They're both very hard workers. They earn themselves to the management position within the Cheesecake Factory from being a server at the table. Like any, you know, incredible humans did everything right. And then it all, in one second, it gets taken away from you. And then what? And and what I learned through the experience is that I was forced myself to be close because I tried to selfishly turn the situation around and say, you know, who would be my by my side if I was dying of cancer at this point in my life? I think we're all, well, anyone that's in my age, in my, my social circle right now, our priority is not our social life anymore and our friends and going out. It's more our family, which is either our kids or our husband or our spouse, and business, right, is creating our, our career and grinding is whatever you call it. So at this point, you know, my social circle is is pretty much people that I work for and my best friends were the people that were going through the situation. So luckily I do own my own business. So I have the choice always to hit pause because I have an incredible team and be present somewhere else where I'm needed. And I do have an obsession with my businesses because that's what makes me tick and that's what I love to do. I thrive off of that fast-paced business, like setting the bar higher every time, which makes you, people call them sacrifices, but it makes you make choices, um, which were, you know, to take a step back from the social part. So I wanted to make sure that Jessica felt loved and that Jessica felt support and that I was never going to go anywhere. She was one of my best friends. She let me in. And there was a lot of people that didn't get close to the situation, maybe because they felt like that it wasn't their place. But it is always your place because the people that are going through it will never ask for help. Uh, and But to show up. Show up if you feel like it's appropriate and be present. Don't ask questions. Don't make it about you. It's an extremely selfless experience. I quit life for the last three weeks of Jessica being alive. I left. Uh, she, like I said, has two young children. I stepped up and I wanted to make sure that everyone that was involved in the situation that were related could be there and could mourn and could process what's going on and not have to be a parent for a second, you know, I mean, her incredible husband is my husband's best friend and he's the most inspiring driven human I've ever met. And, and, and strength has a whole new meaning to me now. And pain has a whole new meaning to me now. I mean, this guy is still showing up at home every day with a smile on his face and taking his kids to the park and, you know, cooking them dinner and making sure that they feel normalcy while his best friend and his homie and his ride ride or die is dying. And that is like, some deep stuff, right? And and looking death straight in the face and still staying strong for everyone else around you, it just makes you realize that life is so much more than what you think. And we all take it for advantage, for granted. And uh, in the grand scheme of things, nothing else matters other than family and friends. As much as, you know, we all pave these ways for our career, what's the point if we're not living? And that's what it's, it's caused for me is to try and figure out this work-life balance and to try and enjoy the, the beautiful things in life rather than being unhappy with the things that aren't going your way. You know, if you have a roof over your head and you have four, le- I mean, four limbs and you're able to walk or breathe and show up and move and be alive, like that's incredible. Don't let being tired or lazy hold you back from, from living. And that, that's kind of what I got from this and to do what you love. And that I'm going to take that as a huge turning, turning point for me in my career is I love doing what I do, but there's some things that I do because I think that I have to, you know, and I'm going to try and eliminate those things and make sure I fill it with just positive, good stuff. And that's kind of where I've tried to attach my business 
to Jessica. So we're in the process of opening up a 5013C and I'm doing these crazy missions that will be coming up soon. As soon as Jessica was diagnosed with cancer, I immediately called one of my friends that I've met through the industry um, that I ran the 230 miles through Haiti with last year. And I said, Ashley, uh, I need you and I need some help because there's nothing I can do or say that is going to bring Jessica back or eliminate the cancer or make things okay, which is a hard, hard thing to understand, especially being a control freak, you know? But all I can do is take action because action speaks louder than words. And I want to make sure that Jessica and everyone else that is battling through terminal cancer or cancer of any sort knows to not give up the good fight. And it would be so easy to quit. And the second you quit in your mind is the second that your body fails too. And that, you know, cancer, it it sucks. I, I wish it wasn't there, but it is. And let's take action and come together and try and make a difference. And that's exactly what I'm doing. So we're doing the 828.6 miles uh, around the Ring Road of Iceland in July. And that'll be uh, for Jessica and to say, excuse my French, but a huge fuck you to cancer. And it's not fair. But what do we do? Like we spoke about earlier, do we stay inside and cry and, and wrap ourselves into this dark little place and let it destroy us? Or do we deal with it, process it, wipe ourselves off and get the fuck up and try and move forward and do something great with that emotion? channel that into something great rather than into anger or sadness or, you know. Well, I think that that, that's the best thing you can probably do is just to find a way to honor her and, and to be a part Mm -hmm. of her husband's life and be a part of the kid's life. And, and, you know, I don't really, there's nothing I can say about that. That's a power. You just said something power, so powerful, Hannah, that I don't, you know, you kind of talk about taking that pause. You talk about, I think so many of us get caught up in our day-to-day, especially in fitness. You know, there's so many mm-hmm. different things to be distracted by. We talk about social media. We talk about this, this pressure of appearance that I think sometimes we forget about being present for those around us. It has, yeah. that, has going through this process really, you know, you, you talk about taking that pause. You mentioned taking that pause. Is this really kind of helped you realize how important it is to take a step back and, and to, you, you mentioned this, but to look around and say, you know, I'm doing stuff pretty good and appreciate what you have. Absolutely. And this sounds deep and, 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 you know, uh, this opened up something to me. It's like, I live a very high stress life. And at times when things are really crazy, I feel like I'm running on red, like all the time to the point that, you know, you may get frustrated over things that really don't matter or your patience is so thin that you say things that you can't take back, you know? And although my businesses are, you know, I don't even know if this is the right word, but like quote unquote are succeeding, that doesn't mean that that delivers happiness, right? Just because the money is there. Well, I discovered along somewhere along the way that money does not drive me <laughs> or just because the social media is growing. Well, that does not drive me either. And when you stop for a second and you go, shit, if you were to be diagnosed, and this is again, selfish, but if you were to be diagnosed with stage four cancer tomorrow and you look, take a stop and look around you, number one, are the people in your life, the people that you would love and would they be there for you if you were dying? Number two, are you doing what you love or are you filling the gaps to try and get somewhere that who knows if you're going to get there? And that was what, this is so like dramatic, but that's what I said to my my husband. Like we've been together for years and it's always been, I'm not ready. We're not ready for kids because there's so many places we want to go or there's so many things that we want to do or, you know, these dreams that we've had. Well, shit, man, we've been together for years and we're not doing any of that. All we're doing success ladder. What if we don't get to the point that we want to have kids? Why don't we take a stop for a second, zoom out entirely, rather than being so absorbed with the day-to-day and take a look at your life and take a look at where you're at, you know? 
on every level, financially, when it comes to your career, when it comes to your friends, when it comes to your family, when it comes to the person that you go to bed with every night, you know, like question it. And then if you're good, cool. And if you're not, make some changes and use the terrible situation that has happened to someone else to try and do great, greater things for your own life. As, as You know, because there's nothing we can do, even, especially if you don't know that family, to change it. We can just learn from it. Well, we can look at how do we create more positive energy in the world. And, you know, that's that's, that's very metaphysical mm-hmm. for me to say being in Southern California. But, I mean, you can look at take that opportunity and say, okay, what can I do? Well, how can I be more available to my friends and how can I, you know, do, do things to connect, you know, connect other people. I mean, you, you know, uh, Jeremy Shore and, and Jeremy mm-hmm. you know, has put together, he, Oh God, what's he called? Um, uh, uh strength, to serve. strength to serve. Exactly. You know, strength to serve about getting fit people out there to do, to do, you know, public good and, and to do community service. It's incredible. So I, I think that's, you yeah. know, you're taking the best and you're, you're, you're I mean, like, I can't imagine going through that situation and, and I'm glad you talked about that. I just seen a little bit of, I'd seen a tribute that you had on your website and one or two tributes you had maybe had on uh, social media. So I really, I, I, I appreciate your kind of talking about that because that's, that's tough. And I think we're all at that age, Hannah, where you know, just this past year, you know, one of my college buddies, you know, I'm in my early mid forties, you know, he, you know, passed away suddenly of, of a, you know, of an aneurysm. And, you know, this is the stuff where, you know, it's like, wow, you know, we got to stop and slow down and, and sometimes take a look mm-hmm. around and just say, Hey, you know, what's, if we're not connected, if we're not hanging out and spending time with the people we love, then why do anything else at all? Exactly. Exactly. What is it all this for? And, and that's my biggest question. And I still honestly haven't found that answer. And, Maybe that'll come up at some point that I'm not expecting, but it's like, what is the end goal? You know, like, I don't know if it's a good thing to have an end goal because maybe once you get there, you you get complacent and you just stay there. But like, I want to have a little bit more of a, a clearer understanding of what I'm trying to do. And I think it's helped me, you know, like I was like, okay, do I start doing, going on tour here and doing international appearances here? And it's like, all of these things are great, but what about a charity? that can give back to people that are dying or our idea behind the 501c3, which will be for Jessica is to raise money, which I'm every one of these crazy events that I do, we usually raise, raise money for a different cause or for a stranger. Like there's, there's nothing closer to my heart than this. This is my best friend. This is, I'm going to be raising her uh, children and being involved with her boys lives for the rest of my life. We made that commitment at the very beginning. And if we can, uh, Jessica's birthday was on Christmas day every year. If we can, on Christmas Day, myself, my husband, Jeff, her husband, and her two sons can find a, a family that are battling through cancer, then we want to show up to their house and hand deliver gifts and try and get a smile on their face. It's an experience, right? Because we can't cure cancer, but we can try and make some positive experience or memory for the time that's left and to do use our fitness or to use my social media reach for a far greater cause than myself or for likes or for follows or for money for me. Like again, money doesn't drive me. If I'm able to give someone else money that could possibly help them change their life, then amazing. That's incredible. Well, and by, that's, that's the end goal. Well, sorry to cut you, but by all means, you know, as you get that started, let me know. And I'll be more than happy to give you, uh, you know, give you some space, give you some time on, on here and in this format be able to talk about what you're doing into raising, you know, raising the money, because this is a thing where, you know, we are at some point in our lives, you know, at some point, you know, I'll, you know, we'll be dealing with the family. I've, I've told that to my wife where recently in the last couple of years, you know, rather than giving money to charity, we had, you know, we had some friends on the East coast last year whose son ended up being, you know, 
uh, hospitalized for a few months, and you know, I, I, you know, we wrote them a little bit of a check, and I'm like, I'd rather give money to to immediate friends because it can do more good rather than donating yeah. money to like a you know big charity where they do use forty percent of the funds to throw a big you know ball every for year, overhead. you know, uh-huh. and for I overhead. Know. And so that's where you know the last couple of years that's what I've done is, you know, as I've seen people that have you know they don't really talk about it, but you hear about things, and if they have a GoFundMe. You know, I'm more than happy to to contribute to that to try Absolutely. to create that positive energy. Now, to shift gears a little bit, and and I know that's kind of a hard thing to do because it's such a serious topic. But you know, how have you used how's exercise kind of helped you work through this? Has that been, you know, has oh, going yeah. to the gym and, and and teaching and just being around people? Because one of the things that you know, when you talk to other instructors, one of the things that because uh, Hannah, when you're going through your day, and I think a lot of instructors, especially younger instructors, maybe don't realize this but people have 24 hours in a day. And one of the special things that we have as a trainer, as an instructor, people give us their time. Time, you know, just talking mm-hmm. about losing your friend. Time is the most finite, the most, you know, restricted asset we have. You know, money's not, you know, money's no good if you don't have the time which to do anything right. with it. But when people give you your time, when they come to take your class, when they come to do a workout with you, I, tr- you know, I try to honor that by making it worth their while. How important for how important was it for you to kind of like how important was exercise and and being in your regular routine? How important has that been for you to kind of get back to a sense of normalcy after what you've been through? Yeah, um, so my hour workout of my day and the, the slogan that goes to my gym is to find your reason, and that sounds so deep to someone that doesn't get it. And I, when I say this, people that get it get it, and people that don't, I hope one day will. Um, is Whenever you go into fitness, I remember at the beginning it was it was aesthetics, right? I want to get a six pack, or I want to have more confidence in a bikini, or it's all about what you look like. And then you start to get in it, and those things are kind of short lived, or they're so close to the surface that they burn out, or they get that comes and goes. Like, oh man, I made it. All right, now I've got abs. Now what? You know, it's like dig a little deeper and find a reason that is so deep that it's something that you will never quit on because it's for you and for you only for the rest of your life. Whether it means, you know, you want your partner to see you or you want to live and to be able to be healthy for your kids or you want to challenge yourself, you want to go unbroken, you want to inspire others, you want to be the best version of yourself, you want to embrace a change or a challenge. Like these are reasons that that's deep, you know, that and that will never go. And my one hour of my workout a day is the only hour that I'm able to channel all of the negative, angry bullshit things of life that we all go through into that one hour. My eyes are usually closed. I'm sweating. I'm spitting everywhere and I'm releasing. It's my release. I get in the gym and I let it all out. I think about all the stuff that bothers me. I think about what I just watched with being with Jessica in four days in the hospital. And you think that you have it bad? Like, no way. You're alive, you're healthy, and you're here. And I try and put this towards my members here in the gym. You showed up here because you're able. So now you showed Unfortunately, this is one of the moments where the audio went out on us, but we pick it right back up. Hey, I have full service. Okay, yeah, because I just, sorry, I just broke up a little bit on me, me there. But you're talking oh, about, sorry, sorry so we've got, we had a little technical issue there, but you're talking about just how much that, that exercise means to you. Now, because this is a question that, and it's a kind of a common theme I have about, about fitness, you know, through the podcast is, I really want people to understand that fitness is so much more about appearance. And you, you said that, that fitness can really change the way you feel and give you options for how you live your life. Is that one thing that you've oh, kind yeah. of learned as you've, as you've kind of evolved and you, you've developed your career in the industry? Is that, has that helped you change that mindset? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because life sucks, man. Life always is unfair and it always is going to go out the wrong way. But that's inevitable. We can't change that. But if we can learn how to handle that or deal with that in a better way, then that's exactly what we need to do. So my workout is my release. Like people go to therapy, people speak to someone or people have their thing, right? My thing is my workout. Like it's my one hour of my day that is mine and only mine. You know, everything else is usually for other people or coordinate this, that, or the other. It's the only hour that I have with myself and my own thoughts with no interruption. And I think about all the stuff that bothers me and I release all those that me if I can be exactly who I'm supposed to be without the bullshit that life puts in the way in front of you. So I, I, I do. I, if I haven't worked out, like you want to stay far away from me, especially if I'm going through something, I'll be working out even longer. Like right now, like I have these running sessions. I'm running for two hours. I'm biking for two hours. And I just, all I think about exactly what I want to think about. It's not contaminated with a hundred different thoughts going at 5,000 miles an hour. It's no, let's focus and, and, and face what's going on with me with it. When it was with Jessica, I just couldn't stop replaying like the stuff I'd seen. And, and it makes you appreciate what you have. So I'm actually pulling up the, this, this race. So this, this ring road around Iceland, um, Hannah, what exactly does that race entail? What do you have to do to prepare for it? As I mentioned at the outset, we had a couple issues with Skype. This is one of the points where we actually dropped the Skype call. Before we get reconnected and keep going with the interview, which we are, I want to drop this little segment where I was recording Hannah before we started the formal interview, and she talks about her relationship with Icon. What do you, what's your relationship with Icon? So Icon reached out whenever they uh, created the Fusion CST. So it's a, like a little bit of a spin on their usual equipment. It's combining strength and cardio together okay. on a on a one or uh, three, three level uh, pulley system. So they reached out and I feel like they kind of tried to branch outside of their regular branding and they brought in some influencers. And then we recorded uh, a series with iFit. Um, so whenever you buy the machine, you get a subscription, kind of like a Netflix series, you choose your trainer that you with and then you, and you follow the one. And as you could hear, we're having a little issue with the Skype connection there, but that is icon and iFit. And I'll have a link to that down in the show notes. Now back to the interview. What is the ring road? I mean, what is this ring road challenge on Iceland? What does that entail? And is, do you, okay. are you going to run it? Or are you going to cycle it? How are you going to get around the, the island? So we're going to split it. So we're going to run and bike. So the game plan is uh, bike 50, run 20, bike 50, run 20 uh, to give our body a chance to break it up between running and biking rather than doing like the first half running, the first half bit biking. Um, I have a coach, which is Amanda Basham through iFit. And we, she's an ultra marathon runner and she knows way more about this than I do. So I'm kind of following her lead and she's put me through some crazy training and it's really, really humbling to start a new modality and suck at it and then watch yourself kind of get better as, as, the, as you put the work in. So it's been a really cool experience. I can't wait, especially, you know, just past two, two, two Tuesdays ago to get to Iceland, like more than ever. So I'm ready. So how long, how far, when, when, when are you doing the challenge? Is it going to be uh, the summer of 2018? So it's going to be July. So we'll be heading out on the mission. I think we'll be starting around the 9th and we're going to try and do it in eight days. Whoa. That's the goal plan. Yeah, that's the game plan. Um, the great thing about Iceland during that time of the year is it's 24 hours of daylight. Um, I think the more rest you get, the more your mind understands how much it sucks and the more your mind will start to work against you, which is the reason why we're trying to kind of just crash it out rather than yeah. making it into a fun kind of like long trip. Um, and it's extreme, right? And the whole idea is 
when whenever Jess was going through what she was going through, like of course we're going to want to quit, but quitting isn't really an option. We got to finish and try and fight, keep fighting through the pain, keep fighting through the weather. You know, like every day is so different. Every day is a new roller coaster that you have to ride, and we're going to try and that emotion and and keep going. We actually asked everyone whenever we announced it for them to send us a story about how cancer has affected them in any way. So that when we're riding, I've printed them all off. I have a folder and I can't even bring myself to read them right now. <laughs> but I will read them every night to get inspired and motivate, to really understand why we're doing it and to remind ourselves why we're doing it. Well, so well, I, I can't wait. Well, as you prepare for this, I mean, there's a fellow out of uh, South Africa, uh, Dr. Tim Noakes, who talks about fatigue as an emotion. And the people that, mm-hmm. that do well in ultra endurance events are those people that are able to kind of overcome that emotional point of fatigue and, and kind of grind on. Now you're you're known for high intensity interval training. What do you what do you like about HIT and, and what are your favorite type of HIT workouts? So I love the, my favorite things about HIT is being able to combine strength with cardio, intense cardio. Um, with the longer intervals, I like to use strength, uh, and in the shorter intervals, I like to use intense bursts of cardio. Um, you know, science proves that when your heart rate is higher, your heart is pumping blood to the targeted muscle groups and blood carries all the good stuff, the nutrients and the oxygen that your body needs in order to make a change. So you reap the maximum benefits in the least amount of time and plus the competitive and extreme. So I really love the intensity, the short bursts, uh, you know, it's, it's entertaining and it's, it's challenging. You want to make it harder, you move faster. You want to make it even harder, you lift heavier. And that's kind of something I like is, um, there's no ceiling, but there's also no ground. So we can regress as much as we need to, and we can, uh, progress as much as we need to as well. So our classes and, and, and being in the same class of people, that's what I love about style of HIIT training is we're surrounded by all different types of people that are all at different fitness levels and we're still able to get the most out of the workouts of our own ability and yet still feed off of each other's energy, if that makes sense. Like I'll be lifting 70 pounds next to someone that may be lifting seven, but we're both vibing on the same energy wave through it together. We're still pushing each other and, and it's, it's a really cool experience. No, I think that hits the nail on the head with that. And I always like to ask, you know, trainers, you know, people that are very active, in, you know, working, you know, kind of grinding it out like you are. You know, I, as a trainer and instructor, I sometimes get stuck. Like, you know what I mean? With like, you get a favorite exercise, you kind of get a favorite couple exercises, you know, for, for a time period. That's just kind of what you're, you're grooving on. Do you have any favorite exercises right now that are kind of finding your way, finding their way in a lot of your programs? Man, I it keeps coming back at me, and it wasn't intentional, but people me for sprinter burpees. Like the burpees that I can do and do some crazy jump in the air that looks pretty good. But I love kettlebell work. Kettlebell flow is my favorite. Um, I love cleaning, jerking with kettlebells and replicating the same movements from a barbell but with two free weights. I think that's amazing. Uh, the stability and the strength that's built in your core and in every other muscle group that doesn't really get attacked whenever you use a barbell. Makes you light it up. Lifted a lot of barbell. even a year but the other day we were playing around and I haven't lost any of my strength and I'm convinced it's because I have two stable unstable weight environments you know and body is forced to stabilize so you engage your core and your posterior chain and all of your fast and slow twitch muscle fibers forced to utilize your whole body and I've built a lot more stability and strength the right way with two free really light free weights than I did with a really really heavy barbell well as you've gone through this and you've evolved from the the competition you did with CrossFit how are you approaching recovery now? And, and are you making that more of an integral component of what you're doing? Yeah. Um, so the range, the, what we do with the, our modality in PumpFit is we try and bring all different types of fitness into one world. So I'll combine like animal flow 
with yoga. Like today we had warrior pose pulses with a kettlebell in between, you know, like we try and bring all walks of fitness together. So within our actual workouts, we are building range of motion. We are increasing our flexibility. We are strengthening our core and stabilizing our, our, all of our different muscle groups. Whereas whereas you stick to one uh, modality, you usually end up missing like everything that you need, you know? And another huge thing for us is uh, my recovery is, is, is so important. I used to go hard as hard as you can think and never recover or have a day off. But now I listen to my body. Every time I feel a whisper that I know will eventually scream, I stop. And nine <laughs> times out of 10, I will not have an injury. And people don't understand that. It's so hard, it's so intense, but you're never injured. And it's because I listen to my body. If something doesn't feel right, I just won't do it. I'm not a paid athlete anymore. If kettlebell swings start to uh, uh, something in my old back injury, well, I'm not doing kettlebell swings for another couple of weeks, you know, and I'm going to focus on the muscles around it to make sure that there's strength in there too. So I just like to switch it up. I, I try and combine a whole bunch of different worlds into one to make it a hybrid uh, style of training. So we're not strong in one area, but we like to be well-rounded. You know, our endurance is good. Our strength is good. Our flexibility, is, our intensity is good if we want it to be, but then we can also go for longer and our form is on point. And that's something that we're huge sticklers on here at, at Pump Fit Club is longevity within fitness rather than the now. And I know the only way to, to achieve longevity is, is to focus on the form and the function of the movement before just picking up weight and throwing it around. Well, if you don't mind, I, I teach a couple of like workshop sessions on recovery at various conferences. I love that quote and I'll definitely attribute it to it of, you know, listen to the whisper before it becomes a scream. Because yeah, I think that I, I think that totally hits the nail on the head. You know, if somebody feels a little nagging injury, you're much better off taking a little bit of time off and letting it heal because of the big, you know, that, that little, what feels like a little sore now or a little just not right now could become a huge thing huge. down the line. So I think that's very smart to kind of adapt that mentality. Now, what is iFit and, and how are you involved with iFit? So iFit is more of a streaming uh, database, I guess. It's, I would compare it to like a Netflix so it's like Netflix for fitness. So you log in, you get your membership, you download the app and you log in. And when you get in there, depending on what um, uh, piece of equipment you get, you usually get a, a tablet with it. And once you're logged in, you can scroll, you can see, you can either go by trainer or you can go by location and you literally follow along with a virtual workout from the beginning to the end. So for example, with the Fusion CST, which I did with Nordic Track, I think there's like 22 workouts on the on the iFit database and they can choose and they watch the little tablet and I do the workout with them. I coach them through it. It's almost like a, a streaming uh, workout, follow along workout. Same thing with the treadmill. I did some for the X22i and I'm running and the film crew were behind me and we actually go through, you know, Park City. I'm about to go to Iceland to do some point of view shots there and it's a point of view. So I'll coach you through the workout. I'll tell you, all right, I need to push to your 80% level, effort level right now and then get off the treadmill, pick up your dumbbells. You're going to do 30 squats and I coach you through it virtually and you're able to follow along with real-time workouts. It's awesome. That sounds, that sounds pretty cool. I'm going to have to definitely check that out. And, you know, as you go forward, can people follow along with you have like, so you have iFit and then are there other ways that people can follow along and, and do some workouts with you from the comfort of their own home? I, I, I say yeah. comfort, I say comfort being relative Hannah, <laughs> because looking at some yeah. of your workouts, I don't think comfort, your challenge would be a much more, but if they want to work out with you and challenge themselves in their own home, I think it would probably be a better way to, to describe it. Yeah, I mean, I offer the stuff that I film with iFit will be on side of that database, but I also offer my own training program, which is now actually blown up and has become a global online training program around the world. I was able to create a way to 
coach virtually like I do at Pump Fit. So it's our same interval training, Monster Monday, 30, 60, 90, Tabata, 2010, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays. Every day of the week has a structured theme that we get stuck, we set to. And then online, I decided to film a database, which is an exclusive database of hundreds of uh, videos of me doing every single movement in, within my pro- training program. And whenever you receive your online username and password, you log in and you'll see the workout written out. And if you don't understand what the exercise is, you just click on the link and it'll show you a video of me doing that. And that's at hannahedenfitness.com. And we also have, yeah, there's a few different ways to train. We do eBooks so you can buy them one time and you follow along the workouts or there's a subscription, which would be kind of like your gym membership for a very low price of $29.99 a month. You get six workouts a week and you cancel whenever you want. It's cool. That's a, you know, and for people don't realize, I mean, you're working with a, with a trainer, your level is definitely a little bit more than $29.95 a month so, or $29.99 a month. Uh, and then you have some clothing too. It's so are you able to, cause you say you start out in photography. Do you like now kind of where you're going? Do you like the fact that you can now use some of your creative juices and kind of mix it in with, with your, your passion for fitness? Yeah, absolutely. And that is something that at the beginning, it was, you know, people, every time I would do photo shoots with other companies where it's kind of like their vision and they, I looked a certain way, it was very fierce and, and, and like badass and almost like unapproachable and intimidating. And then the more and more I got to meet with these people and they got to know me as a human, they're like, man, you are really not like scary or fierce or like aggressive. You're actually really approachable, funny, like goofy or whatever. And that's when I was like, shoot, I need to change the style of my branding. So it's really cool that I'm able to now. I just hired my creative director that is actually a best friend of mine from college. And we're able to bring that fashion photography, which was where I wanted to go originally and that kind of like style and the vibes back into my brand. And now it represents me as a human and my personal brand stays very true to who I am as a person, but also we're able to bring in like the fashion spice of, and, and style that people don't usually do in the fitness industry, which kind of makes us stand out a little bit more as well. That's pretty cool stuff. It's cool to see to see what you're doing with that. So I'll have uh, information for uh, iFit down below if people want to kind of, you, you call it the Netflix of, of online workouts, and then I'll have definitely have information um, for, for Hannah Eden Fitness as, as well so people can follow along on your website and and i'm just going to assume you know that most people listen is probably uh follow your instagram as well but i've seen some really cool stuff on your instagram stuff if you don't mind my asking you know before we wrap up here hannah why the red hair is there is there a kind of an impetus is there any any story behind the red hair you you, you alluded to a little a little while ago earlier in the conversation but i didn't know if there's any kind of any driving force of, of such a such a um <laughs> vibrant i guess color so it was everything's about timing. So this is all around the same time that I had that little fallout and like questioned my, my my abilities and can I do this kind of thing. And I had a dream. I had a dream that I had red hair, which was just really weird and bizarre. And I woke up and I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to dye my hair red. I'm going to dive in 100 percent and I'm going to just be me. And I don't care. People will take it or they're going to leave it. And it was such an extreme thing to do, which I guess it goes along with my extremist personality. And I went in all, all out and, and I, it's been, I haven't turned back since. It's been, I think it'll be six years this year that I have this color hair and I haven't really stopped the hustle since. Oh, that's awesome, Hannah. Well, I really appreciate your time and, and really importantly, I appreciate your sharing uh, you know, about your friend Jessica. I think that's such an important thing. Thank and, you. and more so than fitness, I mean, we sometimes have to slow down, stop and, and take a moment to love the people around us and, and spend some more time with that. And your conversation was definitely a reminder of that. So thank you for that. Yeah. And if anyone wants to uh, look into what we did out of that is while Jess was sick, I created a few different designs and she was able to choose the design herself, choose the colors and of the show. 
of the font with her signature. And uh, I had some uh, shirts made for her, which will be a collection in my Find Your Reason, which is FYR Apparel line. It's called Serene Soldier because she was far from fearless and a resilient soldier throughout this whole process. So that whole uh, line will be a memory of Jessica Boswell and all the mo- money and the proceeds from those shirts and the bracelets that we have online go directly into the 5013C that we're opening to do some really, really good things for other people that are battling through this terrible disease. And, and I hope you share with me once you get your stuff up, if, if you're doing anything for your Iceland venture, because I definitely want to promote that as part of this podcast, because that is such a, you know, n- at, number one, it's going to be a cool experience, but number two, why you're doing it in terms of giving you know, the big middle finger to cancer, I think is absolutely just hopefully motivating and gets other people thinking about doing similar things. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. And yeah, we're in the midst of making the the website right now. And as soon as it's live, I'll make sure I get that information to you. Thank you so much for inviting me and and making the time to, to chat with me today. I appreciate it a lot. Well, I do certainly apologize about the technical issues. As you could tell, we were having a really very in depth conversation that went somewhere I personally wasn't expecting and it was interesting to hear how she's responded to the loss of a good friend. I need to say that, that you know, in my mid-40s, up till my mid-40s, I've been extremely fortunate. My wife and I, our, our immediate family, we haven't experienced a tremendous amount of loss. And that's, that's going to happen, you know, as we all get a little bit older. You know, we obviously don't live forever. What I think is, is, is shattering, though, and I've experienced this through the health clubs, you know, just recently, uh, a, a regular member of mine uh, passed away, and she was coming to my cycling classes, you know, in uh, a brain aneurysm. And she was older, you know, a little bit older, maybe in her late 60s, early 70s. And it's interesting, you know, people in the gym, you have to think about the, the health club culture for a second. I'm going to step back from the interview with Hannah and think about the health club culture. If you go to the health club regularly, you if you're there two, three, sometimes four or five times a week, you see those people in the health club, especially at the same times, more, way more than you see some of your extended family. You know, there are people I know at the health club just as a casual, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, because I see them, you know, frequently. And you get used to having these people in their lives. And these are people who are putting their health, their fitness, they're making exercise a priority. And so anytime you lose one of them, anytime something happens, whether it's cancer, whether it's something else, it's devastating. I mean, a number of years ago, one of my buddies, he was another trainer, young man, just uh, he was actually a trainer during law school. I'd gotten out of law school. It was in his first or second year of when the, the top firms in D.C. and uh, passed away due to complications of type 1 diabetes. And it really is, you know, and just recently, uh, one of my fraternity brothers, a former roommate of mine, uh, passed away. And, you know, you're younger than me. And that stuff is shattering. Because these are people, especially when you're in the health and fitness community, these are people who you look to that you think, hey, nothing can happen to us. And listening to, you know, listen to Hannah and listen to how she responded to that, it makes it even more apparent that look around the people that you know, look around the people in your life, even the the people you don't know that well at the gym, you know, build that connectivity, you know, build that shared experience, build that shared interest, that shared bond. You know, these are people who can help make our lives richer, more fulfilling. There was recently, a t- I watched a TED Talk about, you know, longevity and about how we can stay more engaged as we get older. And what the research is showing is that in those zones, you know, in the Mediterranean, in Japan, and other areas where people have really extended lifespans, one of the key components or one of the common denominators is connectivity, whether it's connectivity through family, 
whether that's connectivity through a spiritual organization like a church or a synagogue or an ashram, whatever that is, we need to be connected. And so when we come together, those of us that are that are in the fitness community, those of us that do exercise regularly, or if you're starting to exercise regularly, this becomes your community. This becomes a way to be bigger than yourself, to extend yourself, especially if you move to a new country like Canada did or you move to a new area and you don't have family close by. Your fitness family, I mean, you see the hashtag FitFam quite a bit, and sometimes I think it's overused, but your fitness family really can become an extended family. And you hear that in, in Hannah's voice and talking about her friend Jessica. It's just it's one of those things where I'm really enjoying the experience of, of going through these interviews, of asking these questions, getting to know people. And sometimes like this, they take an unexpected turn, but it stops and makes you think that, how connected am I in my life? Am I really looking for ways to help people? I mean, I really admire what Hannah is doing to take this, you know, this loss and turn it around into something positive. You know, if we can all just harness that, you know, instead of, you know, wallowing in what was me and turn around and say, what can we do to make a difference? As you can tell, you know, this, this conversation really, you know, blew me away. You know, I, Hannah was somebody I didn't know, and I still, you know, don't really know outside this, this conversation, but I, you know, have become a fan and, and admire her and admire what she's doing. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to interview a few people from Instagram is you have people that do what I do, you know, fitness educators. We're kind of, some of the fitness educators are a little bit, you know, we're in the mid forties and above, you know, fifties and whatnot. We're not part of the social media. We're, we're coming on to social media late. And when I look at somebody like Hannah, Hannah has, you know, how many tens, hundreds of thousands of followers. Hannah's doing a tremendous job of getting people to move. People who follow Hannah see what she's doing, see stuff she's posting. They're inspired. They're inspired to do something different. They're inspired to get out and be a little more active. They're inspired to maybe start an exercise program or push themselves a little bit harder to maybe reach a, reach a certain goal or to maybe get a certain response that they want. And that's powerful stuff. That's really powerful. So that's what I wanted to be able to do with this series. I wanted to start with Tammy Lee, you know, the fitness videos, the best ones ever, you know, transition to Greg and streaming and be able to show Hannah, you know, inspiring people through social media to see just how the video culture has influenced and impacted and, and really helped us to really enhance the fitness culture. With that, I want to thank you for tuning in to All About Fitness. If you have any questions, comments, or anything, if you have suggestions for a guest you want to reach out, please, by all means, Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. That's Pete at PeteMcCallFitness.com. You can follow me. I post my content. I write for the American Council on Exercise and 24-Hour Fitness. I post my content on Twitter. My Twitter handle is PeteMC underscore fitness. That's PeteMC underscore fitness on Twitter. And on Instagram, I try to do a somewhat decent job of posting some information up on Instagram, putting stuff up there. One of the, one of the things I'll do is as I travel around, uh, I'll show you a little workout videos from various hotel rooms or hotel fitness centers. No matter how, how large or small, how well or under-equipped it is, you can always get a good workout in if you know what to do. You can follow me on Instagram, Pete McCall Fitness. That's Pete McCall underscore fitness. Pete McCall underscore fitness on Instagram. Thanks for stopping by All About Fitness. It certainly is a pleasure to have you join me. And I look forward to having you join me in future episodes.